This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 8, Episode 11, A Vision of Hope. Uh, this week, we don't have any announcements for you, so we're going to hop straight on in to Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about <laughs> Series 8, Episode 10, Imperial Entanglements. Uh, we're just about ready to, uh, get that whole, like, leaving thing going on in Tarvo, and, uh, there's a bomb on our ship, Tommy. Well, I mean, a bomb is somewhat reductive. I'd call it, like, a hyperdrive manipulation, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Reaper Squad targeted you guys pretty clearly, had a plan. Uh, obviously the plan didn't include Eula... Lowen not escaping, but you know, they uh they still trapped you for a little bit there. But for the listeners, the hyperdrive bomb uh is not something you're gonna find in any of the source books or core books for the Fantasy Flight uh Star Wars game. It is something I homebrewed up out of nowhere. Um there are some rules for some like traps. And and things like that in one of the source books, I believe it's the smuggler source book since they can they can be like thieves Um, and they they have some like guidelines for different kinds of traps. And it's like, you know, if they trigger it, make them roll like resilience or coordination to try and avoid some of the damage. And so I kind of used that as like my as part of it. If you guys try to jump to hyperspace, you'd all have to resist an unreasonable amount of damage. Uh, another thing about the hyperdrive bomb that, um, uh, that I think is worth pointing out is I actually modified it on the fly in the middle of the session, basically right after Nick's first roll, I, I established uh, a rule that I hadn't planned for the hyperdrive bomb. And that was that any advantage rolled on an attempt to disable the bomb was kind of locked in as like a permanent boost to any future attempts to disable the bomb. Um, I kind of did that for multiple reasons. One is that there's not really solid, uh, extensive rules for extended tests in this, uh, in this system. Um, there's not like a, Oh, you know, you roll like every, you know, every 10 hours in game time, you roll again and you roll again. It's more like you roll once and that kind of determines how long a task takes. And, and for this, for, for the, the feel of kind of like progressively, disarming a bomb, I, I wanted there to be a few roles involved. And uh, the flip side of that is that um, I realized like as soon as the dice were rolled that it was going to be really disheartening for you guys as players if you had to just keep beating your head against this thing and constantly just fail, 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 and then eventually like luck out and get a success. Yeah, its dice pool was like really atrocious compared to ours. It was gonna, it was going to be like a very long time of like me being like I help sort of and then Oko being like I'm close ish. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it was a 
it was a really good change um, as far as like letting us feel like we were moving forward and keeping the pacing going in that structured time. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing is I was afraid that I was like, well, I Oko can beat this test, but it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's almost like a coin toss. And if it, if, if it doesn't go his way in a couple tries, like this combat is going to go on forever. And also on top of that, you guys might feel like you're doing it wrong. And, and that wasn't what I was trying to uh, achieve. I wanted you guys to feel like you were slowly dismantling this thing. When I realized that was a thing I wanted to do, I made it so that any advantages you rolled got locked in for future progress. So it felt like you guys were making progress, even if you weren't fully removing the thing. And that sort of idea isn't solely mine. Um, I actually kind of drew it from uh, several official uh, adventures that I had read written uh, for this RPG. So many times in the adventure modules for this RPG, they, they prompt a certain test saying, oh, have the players roll this. And they then say any advantages on this test can be used for this special thing unique to only this test. And any net successes do this and any threats do this. And reading those modules is what really enabled me to come up with the idea of having this particular test have this unique use for advantages that was very helpful to you guys. Uh, and that's something that anyone running the system can do for any test they want. There's all sorts of charts throughout the book. And if you, you know, you print out like a quick reference sheet, like there will be charts and charts of like, here's how you can spend advantages in combat. Here's how you can expend advantages for this particular skill. And it's important to really remember that like, if you want to create a really cool and dynamic interaction, you can just come up with unique, special ways to spend threats, advantages, triumphs, despairs, or extra successes or extra failures. That's all built into the system, and you're not restricted to just the examples in the core books. And for players, actually, can and should feel the same uh, sort of freedom to ask if uh, they can use their advantages for something not on the suggested list. Um, some of the coolest things that we got to do and get to do in the series uh, is based on stuff that we're like, hey, I have six advantages. Could this happen? Uh, so don't put all that uh, weight on your GM. Feel free, especially if you can think of a couple of things on the, the roles that you make all the time uh, that you would like to see happen either with advantages or threats for your character. And the more you play the system, the more comfortable you get kind of feeling out what like what the power level is for a certain number of threat or a certain number of advantage. Yeah, that's definitely true. At the beginning when we started playing, it was like, cool, where's the sheet? Uh, you know, we had this big old sheet with all of the possibilities that you could possibly have from any success or failure or advantages or, or any net gain in any one way that you could roll. And by the end of it, we were not using that sheet at all. Um, and uh, it, it just uh, became more of a like, even more of a like narrative storytelling system that was like really dynamic. And, and it's one of the best parts about the system. So I'd encourage both GMs and players to like utilize that. Uh, and see what feels good for your table. And uh, with that, uh, I want to talk about some other aspects of the previous episode. Uh, Addie, what was your favorite part? 
Um, my favorite part was actually uh, the way Dan and, by extension, Jack Samar uh, handled the whole tan situation and, and the mic drop that he had at the end. Uh, I just really enjoyed the whole exchange. It, it felt really organic. And, and whenever Bree and, and Dan have a scene together, it's always, like, really awesome. Yeah, the, the like, partnership between Jack Samar and Tan is, like, really strong because they come from two very different backgrounds and they kind of watching them kind of butt heads like the two of them do such a great job uh but what about you what was your favorite part so when i was first coming up with ideas for this campaign one of the things i spent a, a decent amount of time on was trying to think of a organic and natural way to uh present you guys with a challenge that ultimately fulfilled all of the requirements for Elkiri to to become a Jedi Knight. And I actually gave up on that. Uh, I, you know, just in the, in the time crunch leading up to running the campaign and trying to like really master the system and come up with like the, ma the main actual plot of this campaign, the idea of trying to incorporate and essentially force a Elkiri trial scenario uh, fell by the wayside and, and I just never really picked it up. So in the last episode when Jaxmer walked in and talked to Elkiri and said, you know what? Like you are a Jedi Knight now. I like my, I got like super excited. I'm like, Oh shit, wait, hold on a second. And, and I, I refreshed myself and looked up and the nine steps of a, of a Padawan trial is teamwork, isolation, fear, anger, betrayal, focus, instinct, forgiveness, and protection. And almost all of those aspects are encompassed in the episodes that happened on Tarvo. Like, especially like Elkiri, like, uh, had to single-handedly work on like turning Okia and, uh, and then the teamwork at the end and hell, even protection when, uh, when her and Jackson are like jumped out and per, and, and saved Moshana from the sniper shots. I truly and honestly didn't mean to make Tarvo like an all-encompass Elkiri trial scenario, but I'm so glad that it ended up that way. Uh, and it was really satisfying for me as the GM to see this idea that I had given up on because I didn't know how to execute it end up being executed by the players <laughs> instead. Uh, so that by far was my favorite part. Yeah, I'm a Jedi now. Yeah, Jedi Knight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we are moving on to episode 11. Uh, you guys have opened a Jedi holocron with a weird-looking Jedi Master in it. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and move on into series 8, episode 11, A Vision of Hope. Enjoy. I am Jaxamar Sorrell, human Jedi Sentinel. My Padawan training was patrolling the slums of Coruscant, rooting out the vicious gangs and bringing them to justice. With the guidance of Master LeWitt Rensmer, I learned to rely on my cunning to solve problems, passing my trials diffusing a hostage crisis the day the Clone Wars began. At the height of the war, I was called to the front lines alongside my oldest friend Dudo and his Padawan Elkiri. The idea of the Jedi as generals never sat well with me, and my greater fears were realized when the clones turned on us, and Dudo sacrificed himself so we could survive. His final wish was for me to take up the task of training Elkiri. With the destruction of the Order, it falls to me to ensure the Jedi live on through her. 
Though my training left me a capable warrior, I've had to quickly adjust in a galaxy where a lightsaber is a beacon for the Empire's most dangerous assassins. Thankfully, we found allies in the former Republic pilot Tan Mobuk and her droid Oko. She saved us after the Empire rose to power, and her ship, the Exhibitor, has been home for the last three years. The galaxy may be shrouded in darkness, but I believe the Force will guide us to a better future. The name's Mobok, Lieutenant Tan Mobok of the Galactic Republic Navy. Well, that's who I used to be anyway. Before all this happened, I was a slave, nearly died trying to fight my way out. And when the opportunity to join the Navy presented itself, you bet your ass I jumped like hell. Spent most of the Clone Wars chasing pirates. Found my bird, the Exhibitor there, in fact. The up-and-ups let me keep her despite her, uh, modifications. And Oko, too. Others might just see a droid, but I know there's more under their shiny metal shell. Now, now we're just trying to survive. With Sorel and El Kiri on board, the Exhibitor will always have a target on her back. It'd have been a hell of a lot safer for us to run and hide. But safe never really was my M.O. We've done some good helping out with the Hydean Underground. One day, though, I'm going to give the Empire a kick straight in the teeth for what they've done. To me, to Sorel, to Alkiri and Oko, and all the others they've crushed under their heel. They've won their war, but I've just started mine. Personal identification number 0K0, at your service. Master Tan refers to me as Oko. You may as well, there isn't much time. Please lean back, this will take your mind off the pain. I am told my past has been eventful for a droid. I was captured by roving pirates shortly after the start of the Clone Wars. They modified and reprogrammed me to accompany them on raids. My surgical laser was greatly enhanced for combat utility and I was trained in the manufacture of stimulants and toxins. Please drink this. I witnessed many gruesome sights, but also interacted with all manner of organic life, occasionally even in a non-lethal capacity. Your species is particularly fascinating. So much blood. Upon my recovery, Master Tan allowed me to retain my memory. My years with the brigands, while regrettable, had instilled in me an appreciation for freedom and autonomy, ideals shared by Master Tan. My unusual modifications, coupled with her impressive piloting abilities, served us well as a Republic emergency extraction team until the clones turned on us and our three Jedi companions. As runners in the Hydean underground, we do what we can to hide good people from the Empire, but nowhere is safe now. Good news, there is a 38% chance that your injuries are non-fatal. Best of luck. Kiri Kanti, Padawan Learner. The Force has always been with me, even in the most trying of times, and I am continually surprised by the way the Force guides us all. That it saw fit to match me with Master Jaxamar Sorel, Sentinel, and perhaps the last Jedi Knight. Just like my late master, Duto Noem, Jaxamar and I are an unlikely pair. I've always been more inclined to talk than to fight, and he has always been the other way around. After we escaped, we turned to Rushala, an old friend of mine from early in the Clone Wars. She helped us hide from the Empire when we were in need, and now, along with her, we formed the Hydean Underground to help save those who are under the thumb of, or worse, enslaved by the Empire. 
there's no war that can be waged against the Empire. The best we can do is to save those we can and avoid any engagement with the Empire's forces. I must admit, I can sense the apprehension grow in me as we approach every new rescue for the Hydean Underground. But with Master Sorel, Tan, and Oko working beside me, and the Force with us, the Empire will never know we're coming. The last time we left our heroes, they were leaving the planet of Tarvo uh, and were ambushed by Reaper Squad uh, in their Vigil-class Corvette Star Destroyer known as the Bloodhound. Reaper Squad put the Excipitor on the run, almost completely destroying them, but Elkiri and Oko were able to remove the device that Magana Disc had snuck onto the Excipitor's hyperdrive, uh, allowing the Excipitor to escape heavily damaged from the fight. Uh, while in hyperspace, uh, Oko did what little repairs they could on the Excipitor. Tan uh, succumbed, to, uh, uh, succumbed to the temptation of the drug known as Longsight, and Jaxamar, uh, in what authority he has bestowed upon Elkiri the title of Jedi Knight, and then the two of them worked together to open the holocron that they had been given by Justicar Moshana. The holocron opened up, and there was a Sarian man with a wiry beard and long brown uh, braids and dreadlocks. He introduced himself as the gatekeeper of this holocron, who you could refer to as Grundello Fug. And he asked uh, who he had the pleasure of speaking to. So, uh, Jaxmar, Elkiri, what do you do? We are Jedi Knights, Elkiri, and Jaxamar. And would it trouble you greatly if I inquired as to how you came into possession of this holocron? It was given to us. Given by whom? Magistrate Moshana of Tarvo gave it to us, of all people. Magistrate? Ah, so she's gone up a bit in the world. And what of the Clone Wars? Uh, they're over. And? He looks expectingly. Everyone lost the Clone Wars. I see. So it is as I feared. That's the trouble with visions, you see. They're only fragments of a whole. And one can only tru un truly understand them in hindsight. Hence the precautionary creation of this holocron by my former self. Now tell me, Jedi Knights, Jaxamar and Elkiri, how is it uh, you've survived the end of the Clone Wars? We ran and hid. Smart decision. Uh, if either of you want, you can roll a hard lore check with a boost die to try to know anything about uh, uh, this Grundello Fug character. Failure. A success with a threat. Elkiri, you've never met uh, Master uh, Jedi Master Grundello Fug, but you've heard a, a rumor or two about him. He was uh, known for meditating on his cryptic but far-reaching visions. There were some masters uh, who would say that he could see farther into the future than even Yoda, uh, though rarely as clearly. And he says, uh, you see, late in my life, I was plagued by visions of a darkness, 
a pair of green eyes resting, waiting to be unleashed on the world. I also had visions that led me to Justicar Moshana, and these visions seemed to show me that she would eventually come to meet two Jedi after my death. These Jedi in my visions were beacons of light and hope, and they frightened the eyes in the darkness and ultimately burned them away. It's likely the Force led the two of you to this holocron for a reason. This unseen threat in my living self's visions, I would conjecture that the two of you are destined to thwart it. Now, these visions began in 3632 ATC, just two years before my death at what you say was the end of the Clone Wars. The hope of my former self was that uh, over the passage of time, more details could arise that I could compare to the detailed recollections of the visions. And perhaps we could find out more about this hidden threat. Earlier in our travels, we stumbled across an ancient Jedi vault. It appeared to be the tomb of Darth Venari. Does that name mean anything to you? Darth Venari? Well, I have heard a thing or two about him. An ancient, ancient Sith Lord, known for forging some of the most, most formidable Sith weaponry of the time. It was said he had three artifacts linked to most of his legends. His mask his sword, and his shield. We found his mask in this tomb. Did you now? Yes. Well, that is impressive. Uh, I could s confirm that it is, in fact, his mask. Uh, you, the trial of retrieving it, I assume, was great? Yes. I'm happy you came out on the other side, uncorrupted. Some of the lore surrounding Darth Venari suggests that should anyone but him wield his artifacts, they become subject to his will. The tales of Darth Venari, as far as I understand them, are unrelated to this vision, these visions I have, though you can never be sure. Fragments of a whole, as I say before. What did you see in your visions? There was the eyes, floating in space, nebulous. Uh, occasionally they are placed there by a man, a sad man, uh, with, with a dropper of green energy that solidifies into the eyes. And then the arrival of two Jedi Knights, heralded by Justicar Moshana, burning the eyes away. Are there any distinguishing features of this space you see? Anything to point us in the direction we must go? I charted the stars based on what I saw in my visions for a great amount of time in my later life. Uh, the stars I saw were not any that I've seen before. They had no distinguishing features. Perhaps they are space yet uncharted, or perhaps they hold no significance. It's always been hard to tell what details are important in my visions. However, this holocron was specifically designed to interface with technology to allow me to absorb and analyze large amounts of data. Perhaps if I were allowed to interface with a large information hub, I could find new relevant information. Do we know where one of those might be? Jaxamar does. Stella the Hut. We may be able to help with that. He raises his eyebrows and goes, well, go on, boy. One moment. I must contact someone. I step out and go to my quarters to call Stella the Hut. Okay. She picks up after a bit, 
a small holographic image of her uh, puffing on her hookah pipe appears, and she uh, she turns to to look at you and goes, "Jackson, my darling, Stello, I need a favor. Anything for you, darling? Anything at all? What do you need? I need physical access to your database. <coughs> you want what now, sweetie? That's a big ask. I understand." The gravity of my request, Stello. I would not ask if it wasn't important. Sharing just a bit of my information costs most people a pretty penny. And you're wanting me to give you, what, just one big info dump? Full access? Look, you know I adore you and your grumpy face. (laughs) (laughs) But Jax, darling, I don't even, I can't even begin to think of how you'd start repaying me for that. You can roll a a daunting opposed charm check with three challenge dice. (laughs) Though you get two boosts because she likes you. <laughs> Actually, that's a wash. No no threats, no successes. Or advantages or despair. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you say? Your information and services have been a large part of my continued survival in the past three years. If you... Allow me this. I am at your disposal. (laughs) My disposal, you say? Oh, careful what you promised there, Jax. Look, I'll have to think this over. Whereabouts are you? We're currently in hyperspace, en route away from Tarvo. We barely escaped an encounter with Reaper Squadron. Another one with them. You you probably only get so many of those before they catch you. Look, you're not too far away from Narshada. Relatively speaking. How's about you come pay old Stello a visit? We can discuss terms, and she looks you up and down, in person. I look forward to it. Uh, and then she hangs up. Uh, Elkiri, were you just sitting in the room with Grundello Fug? Or? <laughs> I, think, I think I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'd start asking you about like yeah. more details about what's pa- come to pass so far. And so we were betrayed by this man and fled the planet. This Reaper squad that has been hounding you so far, do they have an insignia you would recognize? Have I seen that? Uh, I believe on the, on the whole of the Bloodhound, um, nearby the uh, bridge, there is uh, an Imperial symbol and uh, a similar circular symbol with kind of a stylized scythe uh, that represents Reaper Squad. Yes, actually. It, it's a circle with um, a scythe in it. Interesting. One of the constellations in my, in my vision uh, matches that description. Those stars were burned away by the light of the two Jedi, along with the eyes. Well, that... Sounds like a good omen. One can only hope, he says, smiling. Uh, I return and close the door. Stello has agreed to see us in person regarding her database. In person? She has requested our presence on Narshada. Okay. If anything, it's a good place to hide out and repair the ship while we discuss our next move. And Stello can ensure our protection while we're there. Uh, Elkiri hesitates for just a moment because she was just going to acquiesce to her master, but then thinks better of it and just nods. Well then, hopefully 
we can get some more information and uh, find a, a better direction on how to combat this darkness I've, I've seen in the, uh, in the future. Yes. Um, thank you. No, thank you. I'm but a projection of the man who, had f- who <laughs> fell f- a few years ago. Uh, an interface in which to access his knowledge and opinions. But this task falls fully onto the two of you. And he looks around, like, ju- trying to judge the size of the ship he's in. Your crew? This vessel would be somewhat difficult for two people to, to manage. We have allies. Excellent. If it doesn't feel like I'm insulting him, I'll close the holocron. <laughs> <laughs> he is not insulted. <laughs> he is, in fact, a virtual interface. <laughs> I suppose we should change course, then? I'll go tell Tan. I go knock on Tan's door. I don't answer. Knowing that we have to exit hyperspace before we can jump again anyways, I will get started on the calculation to get us to Narshada and leave Tan B. Okay. Uh, It's not too long before you guys do drop out of hyperspace. It was a relatively short jump that you were making just to escape. Somewhere uh, where there were no public lines, no, you know, positions of interest, basically. Just the middle of nowhere nearby Tarvo. Uh, So you guys drop out of hyperspace after about, you know, 30 minutes max. And, uh, yeah, uh, Tan, you you guys drop out of hyperspace and you kind of jolt awake. Huh. Mm. Ugh. I'll uh, get out of my bed and and make my way slowly uh, uh, towards the cockpit. Things are a bit bright. My head hurts. Jacksmore, are you in the cockpit? Yes. A beleaguered and and uh, groggy looking tan doesn't quite stumble into the cockpit, but shambles a bit. I see. Uh, I see Sorel, and I try to straighten. Are you okay, Tan? You look unwell. Yeah, I'm fine. I just need just need some water. I'll uh, check on the systems since we've just dropped out of hyperspace. Uh, you can see that Jaxamar has begun but hardly gotten close to finishing uh, a safe astrogation chart from where you guys are to Narshada. Narshada? What, what's going on? Everyone should be here for this. And I'll call over the PA to uh, Oko, Elkiri, can you join us in the galley? I wince as Jaxmar yells into the PA. <laughs> Take two strain. <laughs> Everything is very hard right now as you're coming off of long sight. On my way. Right away. Uh, you all four convene in the galley. You all are aware of the crate. Moshana gave to Elkiri as we left Tarvo, yes? Affirmative. It contained a holocron, an artifact containing a remnant of a deceased Jedi Master. He told us of his visions of a coming darkness that he saw before his death, and he believes that me and Elkiri are destined to face it. How may we be of assistance? The holocron has limited access to information and knows nothing past its master's death except what we've informed it of in the past hour. It believes interfacing with a large information database could give it a better idea on how to combat this darkness 
I've contacted Stella for access to her database, and she requested our presence on Narshada. How do you know this thing's even real? It's a Jedi artifact. It's very powerful. You can't really make a fake one, I think. I mean, the fake ones would look different and generally be evil, I think. So I go retrieve the holocron from Elkiri's room and put it on the table and open it. Sure. Yeah, it's a lot easier the second time around. Uh, you set it down, you concentrate over it for a second. You feel like a slight pull of like force energy kind of like passively tapping into the presence of Elkiri nearby you. Uh, and then uh, with your combined presence, uh, the uh, face, the circular designs on the 12 faces of this holocron uh, push out away from it, spin around a little bit, and then move back in, and that green light returns to the center of it. And uh, Oko and Tan, a uh, Sarian man in dirty robes with kind of uh, 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 matted hair uh, appears, uh, turns to look at you and goes, Oh, hello. So this is the crew you spoke of? Yes. I'm Jedi Master Grundello Fug. A pleasure to make your acquaintance, I'm sure. Personal identification number 0K0 at your service. A Kaminoan droid with, he looks you up and down, quite a few modifications. Intriguing. My past has been eventful. <laughs> <laughs> the same could be said for all of us, I believe. And, and your name, young lady? Tan. Uh, he, he nods and goes, pleasure to meet you, Tan. I assume Jaxamar has shared with you the information I gave him? Uh, not quite all of it. He also mentioned visions of Reaper Squadron's insignia connected to this darkness. Yes. Uh, in one fell swoop, the light emanating from what I believe to be the representations of Jaxamar and Elkiri burned away not only the eyes in the darkness, but the constellation that I've come now to know was the insignia of this Reaper squad. Okay, good. You had some visions. Everything's going to be great, and we're just going to succeed at everything. And it's just easy peasy from here on out. Not quite, unfortunately. These visions are suggestions of what may come to pass. Uh, the future is always in motion. Hard to pin down in one particular way. My visions changed, changed many times throughout the years. Certain key components remained the same, but I began to understand that in order for me to secure this vision's future, I had to find a way to pass my knowledge on beyond my death. Hence this holocron. But the road ahead will not be easy. Trials like this rarely ever are. I guess old uh, Jedi holograms don't get sarcasm, do they? It's not a true sentience. Both of you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of your belief in this mission, Tan, Narshada is a logical next step for us. Stello can ensure our protection while on the planet, can assist in repairing the Accipiter. It will make a good haven for us to plan our next steps regardless of what they may be. I didn't say we weren't going, Sorrel. I just was checking, okay? It's due diligence to make sure that, you know, we've had a, a couple of traps set for us. I don't think it was out of the blue for me to inquire about this one. I nod. I would like to sense 
Tan's general state of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Hung over. <laughs> yeah, you can roll a sense power. Okay. I do it. <laughs> I get the the sense of the current emotional state of one living target with whom I am engaged. Foggy? Uh, <laughs> wary of, of Grun, Grundello thug? Uh, guilty. Guilty? Yeah. Trying trying to mask. Guilty. Okay. Okay. Trying to push it to the back. I say nothing at this moment. I think. Uh, what do you What do you guys do next? All right. Um, I'll plot a course. I will head back towards the cockpit. As she does, uh, Grundello watches her go, and turns back uh, as if to say something, but then stands at attention at the ready, waiting for input. I will close the holocron and return it to its crate and await Tan to complete the jump calculations. Uh, Tan, um, uh, I'm not going to make you roll. You have enough time. There's no pressure for this jump unless you want to do it in like record time or anything like that. Um, so uh, you will be able to finish charting a safe course to Narshada, uh, but you will take two more strain doing it. The lights on the console are like very bright, and every time like you press a button and it makes like a uh, an input sound, it's like piercing your ears. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then after she's done, um, uh, the exhibitor speeds back up into hyperspace, and it'll take you guys a little under. A week, maybe like four days to to make it to uh, Narshada using back channels and, and uncharted space. Um, I would like to catch Tana as she's coming out of the um, cockpit. I look like I'm about to vomit because we just sped up into hyperspace and that did not <laughs> feel good. It doesn't have feelings, the holocron. What? You were terse with it. That's okay. It doesn't have feelings. It's... It's a holocron. You don't have to feel guilty about it. There's, there's sort of like this overwhelming sense of like guilt. You can let the guilt go because it doesn't have feelings. Maybe you should just stay out of other people's emotions. Okay, Alkiri, and I brush past you. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll step in front. Okay. I sometimes I, I can't help it, especially when it's a very big feeling. So, you can talk to me about it. Or we can sit here for a week knowing that I know for some reason you feel terribly guilty, which is now very obvious to me, not about a holocron. Or we could just talk. I think your uh, master has seen to that already. Right now, we should just focus on the future and making sure that we're not just jumping into another net set out by Reaper Squadron. I don't think we can do that if we don't have clear consciences and clear heads. I just want to help. If you don't want my help, tell me to go away. I won't ever ask again. And you can make that gap a thing you want. Oh, Carrie, if I just told you everything about my life, about everything that I have done, have wanted, you wouldn't, <laughs> you and Sorrel wouldn't stay. Of course we would. I would. You say that not knowing anything. I mean, unless you're some sort of crazy, like, evil agent of the Empire or something where you're going to try and kill us, I'm not leaving. And I think that you don't believe that I would. You're 
literally one of three people that I know in the entire galaxy. <laughs> if there's something going on, just say it. If there's not, then, you know, maybe you you're, should go see Oko because you look really bad. <laughs> okay, then. Nothing's going to change. Not, it's just all going to be fine. You want to know everything. I don't need to know everything. I need you to have a clear head. I doshed up Elkiri. It was me. <laughs> Jaco, that, that was me. Because I thought that there was a chance that he was going to get out okay. I thought that there was a chance that he was going to get back that grip that he had. And I knew that that couldn't happen. And I didn't mean for any of that business with the Empire to happen. I didn't want any of that to happen. But people like Jaco can't just do everything that he's done and get away with it. They wouldn't have done anything to him. He would have found some other cushy life. There isn't a way to know what would have happened to him. They might have punished him, but we'll we'll never know. You can be better than your fear. I'll help you. I'm sad that you did that. But that doesn't change anything. So we're st- I'm still here. Thanks, Elkiri. I, uh, she nods very awkwardly. Seeing Elkiri with tears in her eyes and having just kind of had like a wave of emotion, Tan, you got, you got to get to the refresher. <laughs> <laughs> Take two strain. <laughs> I'm going to go down and just tell Oko that Tan might be sick. Yeah, because you hear her retching in the refresher. (laughs) Okay, I I leave out the word might. Tan is sick. Um, And then I will go about my business. Oko, do you go assist Tan? A little, maybe not noticeably, but very slightly frustrated to be interrupted from their oil bath again. Dripping oil, Oko hovers towards the refresher to attend to tan. Getting getting in the refresher, you you know you can tell with like a quick scan what she is suffering from the withdrawal of long sight. Uh, Master Tan, would you like more, or are you coming down? Mm, nope. Mm-mm. I'm fine, Oko. I'm fine. It is getting worse, Master Tan. No, it's I'm honestly, it's it's okay. I am programmed to believe you. can you just uh get me a a glass of water understood i go to the sink in the refresher and fill a small glass you can spike it with some with some uh recovery stims oh sure a little space aspirin yeah (laughs) uh and then yeah you you take care of tan for a little bit she stabilizes after a bit she just needs to sleep uh and hopefully eventually be able to eat. And uh, yeah, unless there's anything else anyone gets into over the next few days, you guys arrive at Narshada, uh, which is nicknamed the Smuggler's Moon. Uh, it is the moon of the planet Nalhutta, which is the homeworld of the Hut species. Narshada is home to a large criminal un- underworld dominated by bounty hunters and Hut crime lords. The entire surface of the moon is covered in an urban sprawl, almost like a little miniature Coruscant. 
The hot swamp planet of Nalhutta is a mossy green color and has an asteroid belt. Uh, and as you get closer, or as you begin to enter the atmosphere of Narshada, uh, you see that the moon orbits close enough to the planet uh, that Nalhutta looms overhead and its sickly green light mingles with the polluted atmosphere of Narshada and makes the entire sky a deep, sickening brownish red sky. Uh, Stello's Palace is a massive floating platform that floats above even the highest skyscrapers. It consists of a central circular platform with three smaller uh, platforms around its edges. Each platform has a large domed uh, building uh, as its centerpiece, and the bottom of the central platform reaches downward in a cone shape uh, and houses Stello's personal spaceport. Uh, As you dock uh, in that spaceport, a couple of well-dressed but armed and tough-looking guards approach. It's a human and a Twi'lek. Hey, uh, Oko? Yes, Master Tan? Can you set up a sensor that will ring our comlink if anyone should board the Exhibitor while we're away? Certainly. As you disembark the Exhibitor, uh, the human uh, raises the hand not holding his pistol uh, to kind of slow your approach, and uh, he goes, Welcome to the illustrious palace of Lady Stello the Hutt. She's been expecting you. If you care to follow us to her audience chamber, lead the way. Uh, They lead you uh, up into a large, spacious turbo lift, large enough for a hut. And that skyrockets up to the upper levels of the central dome. As you exit the turbo lift, you enter a large domed chamber uh, built at the very, very top of the palace's structure. Its glass walls and ceilings allow for a 360-degree view of the moon of Narshada. Uh, below you, you see thousands of airspeeders traveling to and fro in the cityscape illuminated below. Uh, located at the very, very central of the chamber, on a lavishly ornate floating platform, lays Stello the Hut. She opens her her wide mouth, letting uh, a torrent of smoke curl up uh, around her face and above her. And it actually uh, accumulates in a small cloud that kind of seems to be perpetually at the top of this dome. There are three hovering servant droids with large platters of food that float around her. Uh, And whenever she reaches out her hand, a droid swoops to find her hand and offer her uh, uh, a large purple and white fruit. Uh, She takes a bite out of it, juice coloring her lips and chin. She takes another drag from her hookah and seems to finally notice your arrival. And uh, speaking with smoke kind of billowing out of her mouth, she goes, Jacksonville, darling. Ah, how refreshing it is to see you in the flesh. My, it's been a while, hasn't it? Come closer. Don't be shy. And she uh, she gestures with uh, with a large hut hand for you to come, and her platform inches forward about like half a foot out of courtesy. I will approach as close as she wants. Then you approach all the way, and she uh, uh, she lowers down uh, the smell of her hookah like emanating around her, uh, and she reaches out uh, one of her ringed fingers for you to kiss her ring. I do. And uh, as you do, you finish, and she kind of, like, turns her hand to, like, pat you on the face, on the side of the face. Her large, kind of slimy hut hand, uh, uh, hot with heat. And uh, she beckons for the rest of you to approach, but doesn't make any of the rest of you get so close as to uh, to kiss her rings. And she goes, and the rest of you, look at you. A ragtag group of heroes, if I ever saw them. 
You know, I wasn't surprised one bit when Rashala told me you, you four were determined to keep fighting the good fight, despite the underground's dismantling. I said to her, I said, oh, good old Jackson Company, they don't know how to quit. They'll stick around, you just wait and see. You know, it's tiresome being right all the time, I tell you. Now, I've had some time to think over your, your little predicament in detail. And I think I've thought of a way we could work something out to both of our, our benefits. As I said, I'm not in the business of giving away all my information for free. But I do just so happen to be in the business of procuring my competitors' information. You see, I've spent the last couple years working my butt off to keep this Heidi and Underground going. And I've been happy to do so. It's a damn good cause. However, I'd be lying if I, w if I said it wasn't taxing my resources and opening up opportunities for competition. There's one fella in particular who's profited greatly from my divided attention. It's a human by the name of Chago Amaden. Now, he's an information broker who's stolen thousands of lead out, leads out from under me. I'd like to put him out of business. And the best way to do that is to know what he knows. You following me here? You get to Chago's data core, you poke around, find whatever information you need, and then give me everything he's got. We both win here. Tell me of this Chago. What's his business? Well, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but the backbone of his finances is in information dealing. He operates out of a mid-level district in a building that used to be a hospital years ago. A little while back, it was taken over by a gang called the Dog Catchers to use as a base of operations during a gang war. The Dog Catchers held the turf for a while before Amaden and his people set their eyes on it. Chago is methodical and cruel. A surgical strike, a team of eight of his best nearly wiped out the entire dog catches and sent them running. He's been operating out of that hospital for, for some years now, basically renovating it into a full-on fortress. Seems like you're getting the good end of the deal here. We're doing all of the legwork and you just get a ton of information for it? Well, I mean, we help each other out here, right? You get to poke around, hopefully find what you're looking for, and uh, then I get to uh, put one of my competitors out, out of business and maybe get some information that I didn't know. Our ship was quite damaged in our escape from Reaper Squad. It would only help us aid you if you were to make resources available to us to repair the exhibitor. She, she puts her hand uh, over her chest and goes... Jackson Ma, you wound me. You think I'm not going to be a good host? I, I got my guys on orders to go ahead and, and start fixing your ship up right away. I give her a very gracious nod. Now, while you're here, I can let you have full access to all of, uh, all of the great amenities here in my palace. Uh, my boys will fix up your, your starship. You know, depending on how, how rough it is, it might take them a few days. But that's more than enough time for you to, uh, uh, to act on what knowledge I got at Chago. I mean, I assume time is of the essence. It pretty much always is when it comes to you, Jackson dear. You are right, as always. I'm telling you, it's a burden. <laughs> I suppose I did have one request, Your Graciousness. Go on, go on. If we're to storm the castle, so to speak, we're ill-equipped. Is there anything you could do to help us blend in and perhaps defend ourselves if necessary? Oh, sure. I mean, I got more information on the palace. You just have to ask, darling. Consider me asking. Well, the palace itself has automated turrets and guards. Okay. It houses a decent amount of dangerous personnel that, you know, aren't always on patrol, but... These are some cutthroat folks. Now, I'm more than happy to, to make uh, my resources available to help you any step of the way uh, to, to get in and, uh, and take Chago down. This has been something you know, I've been wanting to do for a while, but how often do I have such a capable crew at my behest? Not often. 
So uh, uh, you wanna you wanna just storm in? I don't I don't know if that's necessarily the smartest option. I mean, I, you're, look, I know you guys are good and everything, but but that's that's four against a, a, a fortress. Maybe maybe subtlety's a little better part of discretion here. Oh, just being careful. Uh, you know, you never know when things might go horribly awry in the midst of things. So it's better to be prepared. Sure, sure. Well, uh, you know, sometimes Chago's looking for new recruits, but I think that would require you guys to do some things that you don't necessarily want to do. Though, you know, the fortress isn't impenetrable. You, you could potentially sneak in if you guys get a better lay of the land than what I know. Otherwise, the only other people that go in and out of that place uh, that aren't Chago's men are the occasional hutball team. He renovated an entire floor of, of the hospital uh, and holds weekly games. And he invites some of the best teams around Narshada to compete against the grunts on, under his employment who've disgruntled him. May I make a knowledge check? Oh, sure. To know what Hupal is? Yeah. Uh, you could roll, I think it'd be like a hard education, an average outer rim, or a hard lore check. We'll go average outer rim. Three successes, one threat. Hutball is um, a very, very old game that began on Narshada. Um, it, is a, it is a type of gladiatorial sport um, where two teams of eight are pitted against each other uh, in an arena filled with various traps. Um, the goal is to uh, uh, get the ball from the center of the arena and uh, make it all the way to the enemy's goal line and score. Uh, matches last 15 minutes, um, though there is a mercy rule at 15 points. And hundreds and thousands of years ago, it was pretty popular on Narshada. Now it's more kind of a, a, a niche uh, interest. There's some people who still like it. Obviously, this Chago guy still likes it. Um, but over the years, the game has become slightly less deadly than it used to be, specifically to try and keep the community alive. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the, the few uh, hutball arenas that still exist still have many death or ha- still have pretty high death counts throughout the year, but nothing like what it was like uh, in the old Republic. In keeping with most of the hut aesthetic, Oko slyly gestures towards Stella. Hutball is unhealthy. (laughs) She chuckles at that. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's not the easiest of sports, but I know a few teams that, uh, uh, that make a decent living with minimal turnover, relatively speaking. There's always a chance I can get it, uh, get the four of you on as alternates for one of the teams. (laughs) (laughs) Droids play. Yeah, droids play all the time. I got one team. They uh, One of their best ball huckers is a pit droid. Got hell of an arm on that little thing. That's very generous of you. I don't think we'd make a very good, even alternates, for a hutball team, unfortunately. But is there any way you would be able to lend us some supplies, perhaps, for our infiltration? Uh, yeah, I have all sorts of contacts all over Narshada. I can get you guys uh, good deals on pretty much anything. That would be much obliged. You see, I find myself in a bit of a pickle because we don't know exactly how much data we're procuring, what it might be worth to you. Maybe it's not very much at all, but maybe it's quite a lot. And I would be remiss if I didn't perhaps bring up that depending on the quality and content of this information, we might be able to postpone final negotiations until the product is on the table? Uh, Go ahead and roll a hard negotiation check against three challenge dice. 
That's a failure with five advantages. I see you're the more you're the more business savvy of the group. Uh, no, you you bring up a good point. Um, in my experience, uh, it's always been a bad idea to to leave negotiations open before jobs uh, before a job starts. People start nickeling and diming at the end there. So how about I just go ahead and pay you on speculation? Give you a, give you a good six thousand credits up front for the return of this pay data. And a good word with some suppliers? Oh, of course. Like I said, I'm going to help you every step of the way. You want to you wanna join a hutball team? I can get you in tonight. You want to sneak in? I can, get, I can help you get supplies. You want to go in guns blazing? I mean, I can help, but uh, I, you know, I'll have to start looking for someone else to finish the job. I believe we're quite amenable to that. All right. Well, you know, don't don't wait on me. Uh, my my fellas here, they can uh, they can show you to any quarters you need if you want to rest. We got food, drink galore up in here, um, uh, and you can call me with any requests about items you need or whatever, and I can point you in the right direction. Thank you so much, Stello. No, thank you. And and Jackson, don't be a stranger, eh? Wouldn't dream of it. Looking forward to working with you more in the future. I nod and leave. I think we should oversee at least the the beginning of the repairs on the ship. So I'm going to head back. Sure. You get down to the spaceport and your comm link goes off as you're in the turbo lift heading down. Uh, and when the when it opens up, there's just a loud... Beer, beer, beer. I hit the button to turn it off. <laughs> uh, Stello's... Uh, uh, like personnel are like looking around. They were like a little concerned. They turn around. And they're like, "This is the one we're supposed to work on, right?" Yeah. Sorry. You know, just regular precautions. Okay. It's not gonna like blow up when we go inside, is it? Not if you don't do anything you're not supposed to. Deal. <laughs> that reminds me. Will you all assist me in removing this item from the cargo hold? Uh, sure. Which one? Oko gestures to the big scrap pile of bomb parts uh they they pull the tarp off and they see the destroyed remains of magana discs hyperdrive bomb i've very thoroughly scratched out the imperial logo (laughs) son of a bantha oko i thought you were gonna airlock that i forgot (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-huh apologies master tan yeah yes please get that off the ship right away yeah, they, they help you carry that over to the incinerator and burn it to uh, molten scrap. What kind of access is there in the neighborhood around this hospital-turned-fortress? I would like to take a walk around and get a lay of the land if that's possible. Sure, yeah. Uh, you have full access to the many airspeeders docked in Stello's spaceport, so you can easily go down... Um, it's down in a little ways around the moon um, on, uh, on one of the mid-level uh, neighborhoods, um, and you can kind of cruise around there. Um, it, it's a pretty seedy part of, neighbor, uh, part of the neighborhood. You, uh, uh, if you picked a flashy airspeeder, you'd probably run into some trouble, but knowing, knowing your skill set, I imagine you picked a pretty nondescript one. So yeah, you're, you're kind of able to drive around. Uh, you can see just by like getting nearby where this hospital is, um, there are like armed guards, uh, hanging out, you know, they're not like patrolling. They're not like super obvious about it. Um, but they like, you know, they're like openly holding their, their blaster rifles and pistols and kind of like, you know, every once in a while, like, walking away from their post to say something to each other and walking back to their post. It's about, like, six to eight of them on patrol at a time, at least on the outside. 
And uh, from what you can tell, there's only one main entrance, and it's the the front one. the The back loading dock has been uh, been completely like sealed over, uh, and that one entrance has uh, two automated turrets on either side of it. Can I get a sense of these guards, whether they're closer to a gang protecting their turf or a paramilitary force? Like, I'm trying to gauge their level of organization and precision. I know Stella mentioned elite squadrons, but these guys specifically, I'd like to know if I can. Yeah, you can roll an average streetwise check. Okay. Um, But I will flip a dark side point to turn one of those difficulty dice into a challenge die. That's a failure with one advantage. They're not, like, lazily laying about and not paying attention, so you at least know that they're, like, competent enough to be standing watch like most of the time that they're standing watch. Um, but like they don't necessarily carry themselves in a way that really gives you an idea of, of the level of skill and training they have. But what you can, what you can see is that is like, you get a good sense of like what their, what their armaments are. So, um, a few of them are, are armed with light blaster pistols and a few of them are armed with, uh, with heavy blaster carbines. And those ones with the, with the carbines seem to be the ones that, uh, are a little more in charge than the others. They kind of like every once in a while come over and like people snap to, to like look like they're working a little harder. Okay. Can I make another pass through this neighborhood? And this time I'd like to get a sense of who the, the people are around here. Like, is it lots of merchants? Is it lots of downtrodden people angry at the oppression of this gang holding a hospital in their neighborhood or, or what's the mood of this neighborhood to try and find any kind of advantage among the populace here. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll either perception or vigilance check for that. And it will be hard. I'm going to activate seek to upgrade this once. Okay. It's a failure with two advantages. Uh, so just, just looking around, like there's a, there's a couple like pretty seedy bars. You see drug dealers in the, in the alleyways. Uh, it's, it's a relatively bad part of town. Uh, a lot of people who are walking around do are like armed probably just for personal safety. There's not really any like open markets or anything like that. Uh, the quality of life is very low, hard to get a gauge of like, you know, if there's any resentment towards Chago or if, like, this neighborhood has just always been this bad, anything like that. But, uh, but as, you're, um, as you're finally, like, kind of getting ready to leave the neighborhood, you're passing uh, nearby within – or you're passing within eyesight of the uh, fortress once more. And you see, for the first time, uh, people going in and out that aren't, like, armed and pretty much they're not like wearing uniforms but all of chago's men are kind of wearing relatively the same kind of like armor and garb uh there's like uh there's 10 people who who uh get out of a uh out of a large like airspeeder and go walking in and they're they're like um more eccentrically dressed they got like mohawks and and uh uh kind of look like like street punks um and they're not like Necessary, like they're kind of armed. Like one of them is carrying a few uh, like electro staffs over his shoulder. A couple of them have like blaster rifles, and uh, they go up and the like security guard in front like stops them and like the turrets like point at them and they talk a little bit, uh, flash what looks like some kind of hollow invitation, uh, and then enter the building. Could I safely presume that this is a hotball team? Yes. Okay. I will head back to Stello's palace and inform the rest of the team what I've learned. So there's no 
doors other than the front door on the first level, right? Uh, as far as you know, uh, the answer to that is yes, Jaxamar. Um, if there were other entrances, you didn't see any of them active. Um, there was what looked like possibly what used to be the loading dock of this hospital, like kind of on a back upper level, um, but it had been completely like sealed over. Uh, and any any windows uh, that that were not completely boarded up had bars on them. It would surprise me if there was only the one entrance, but I couldn't find any others. Why do we have to enter at ground level? Why don't we enter higher up? Certainly an option. Oko, do you have anything that could get through that barricade on the loading dock? Funny you should ask, Master Sorrel. I've come into possession of some Corkemco Quick Flash Burning Gel that I would very much like to use. <laughs> <laughs> that's not exactly the quietest entrance, Sorrel, if that's the route you want to go. I would prefer quiet, if possible. Perhaps the misplaced dog catcher gang knows another way into their old hideout? It's worth investigating. We go find the dog catchers, I guess. Where's the seediest bar in town where some dog catchers licking their wounds might be? <laughs> Stello has that information. She knows where a few of the ex-dog catchers uh, hang out. Um, the gang has pretty much been completely destroyed. Um, but... She she knows uh, there's there's one member in particular she's uh, seen active in the underworld a little bit more than the others. It's a Nautilin woman by the name of Nora Fleck. Um, she actually hangs around the uh, in the Undercity uh, near the Metalworks District. I know a couple people that could give you an introduction. It's actually one of the Hutball teams I know. Uh, it's a team called the Barn Swallows. When they're not doing Hutball, they they're usually fixing up people's air speeders uh, uh, for cheap. Uh, with stolen pots down in the Undercity. Um, and that's, uh, that's how I've been able to keep tabs on Nora up until now. An introduction would go a long way. All right. I'll give, I'll Hannah, I'll, I'll give Hannah a call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you guys are giving coordinates to the Undercity, uh, which uh, is the lowest depths of, of Narshada. It's, uh, it's below the ground level. It's a... Uh, what the original city was, and then they basically paved over it and built another city on top of it, and then built another city on top of that one, and another one on top of that one. So this one's uh, very, very down low, uh, worse than the undercity of Coruscant, um, due to its uh, just overpacked population, just people living in the smallest, most cramped, uh, confined living spaces purely out of necessity. Um, and uh, you guys go to the Metalworks District uh, where it is swelteringly hot. Um, any, any part of the Undercity of Narshada is one of two things, either overstuffed slums or cartel-run spaceports. And uh, you guys go to an area that's kind of right on the border, nearby one of the slums, but close enough to uh, steal from the spaceports. Um, and uh, you go into this somewhat uh, discreet workshop, and uh, you land your airspeeder in there, and there's three people waiting for you. Um, a woman who, you, who Stella has informed you is the captain of, uh, of this team. Uh, her name is Hannah Solzen. Uh, and then uh, there's a Wookiee male named Shorkata. Uh, he's got uh, graying fur. A, a long scar along his uh, uh, leading from his eye to his chin um, and he, uh, he wears a shoulder armor and like a half breastplate. Hannah's a human of average build um, 
uh, wearing uh, a ratty but still kind of style, uh, still kind of stylish uh, leather jacket. Um, she's got a blaster on either hip. And um, then there's uh, Lucius Stratford, uh, who is about a thir- he's a 13 year old or 14 year old human male. Um, he uh, is the mechanic of this workshop. Uh, according to Stello, he is a genius with uh, uh, machinery. And uh, as you guys show up, um, uh, there's a pit droid that's carrying a really heavy like looking engine block that kind of like throws it off to the side and rushes over towards Lucius and. Uh, jumps up compressing all its limbs up into its head and he and Lucius like kind of catches it and like shoves it him and uh, shoves him in like a metal backpack he wears and um uh Hannah kind of like waves to you and guides where you should park and then she walks up and she goes well welcome uh to our base of operations you're here to meet Nora yes all right well that's her ride over there uh, and she points at like a heavily customized, very, very flashy, uh, violet hover bike. So uh, while we wait, I mean, I, I don't want to ask too many questions. I, you know, I owe Stello a favor or 10. So, you know, whatever you guys need, I'm, I'm willing to help. But she, uh, she said to give you every courtesy and almost sounded like she actually liked you guys. That's a nice bike. Is that your work? Oh, uh, Lucius here. And he, uh, uh, and uh, Hannah like taps Lucius, who's like kind of like shyly like standing behind her, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that. I mean, most of that's me. I mean, it, the 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 framework is is original, but everything uh, everything else around it, all the modifications. Nora's been coming here for some time now. It's just a little something. It's it's nice when when Hannah's able to get some uh, more illicit parts. Uh, and, sh- and Hannah goes, "Hush up now, Lucius." <laughs> <laughs> Looks like the kid's got a an eye for gears. No doubt about that. Uh, he makes most of the money right now. He funds most of our operations. Uh, the Hutball thing hasn't quite taken off. We, we, uh, we're hoping it gets us out of the Undercity one of these days, but right now it's more like a nice treat. Every once in a while we get a paycheck from it. Life below ground in Narshada is not a cakewalk. <laughs> so uh, Nora's been running this operation ever since the, the dog catchers were dismantled oh no 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 we run this operation uh nora just utilizes our services the ability to uh uh get certain items and uh and get repairs on the down low but uh um stello just arranged for uh for you guys to be here when she shows up and then uh uh the door to the uh workshop opens up and in walks in a uh, green nautilin woman uh large muscular build um she's got a vibro axe uh slung over a shoulder and a heavy blaster pistol on her hip she she walks in she brushes uh a couple of her head tails uh back over her shoulder uh noticing the four of you kind of sizing you up obviously not expecting there to be other people here besides hannah and her team and uh, she only hesitates for a moment before continuing in her stride towards her bike. Uh, and she says, Lucius, she all done? And uh, Lucius pipes up. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, me and Gearbox got it all up and ready for you, uh, Ms. Fleck. I was uh, just telling the kid here how, how good of a job he's done. That's a, it's a nice bike you've got there. Uh, she looks at you and goes, yeah, it is a pretty nice ride. I will hold out my hand. Gita, Gita Sivron. Nora, uh, she reaches out, shakes your hand, and uh, looks at the four of you and goes, I haven't seen the four of you around here before. New to town? Just passing through. Needed to pick up a, a few supplies on the way. I think we have a mutual interest. 
she raises an eyebrow and looks over uh, towards Hannah, and Hannah goes, look, they're friends. They just have a couple questions. Tan, you see as Nora casually kind of drapes a thumb over uh, a bl- her blaster pistol and goes, well, then, ask away. I will just as casually brush back my jacket so she can see my blaster pistol. <laughs> We've heard that uh, you're not so fond of Shago Amadin. Oh, yeah. That house-stealing son of a bantha? Yeah. You could say that I have strong feelings about him. Just so happens he's got some information we're keen to get our hands on. Ah, right. So you're moving against Chaga. Look, been great meeting you, but I don't have a death wish. And she starts moving her way towards her speeder bike. We're not asking for you to to step in. Uh, It just seems like you could benefit from Chaga not being at the top of the food chain. We just need to get into Shago's palace. You can roll either a negotiation or streetwise. It'll be average and you'll have a boost. Uh, And I will flip a dark side point to add a challenge die. That is one success and one advantage. She stops, kind of considering what you're saying, her back turned to you, and she looks over her shoulder, seems to size you up for like the third time, and then goes, look, I said farewell to that hospital a long time ago. I told the dog catchers that it was too much space for us to hold. It was going to put a target on our back. I'm not going back in there. But you got a point. I don't really see a downside for, for me putting you against Chago as long as uh, you don't tell him I got, the informa- I got you the information. As far as I'm concerned, we've never met. Well, I suppose you've seen the place, right? He's p- added some modifications, blocked off the, uh, the dock. I haven't gone back there in a very long time, but... Uh, but if I recall, on the, uh, on the seventh floor, on the south wall of the building, one of the windows there belonged to a, a room of a, a, a buddy of mine, and he had a, one hell of a spice addiction. And uh, we tried to curb him of it so that he would be a little, uh, a little better in the field. And uh, he actually, uh, for a while, was sneaking out without us knowing. We, uh, that is until we found him dead in an alley somewhere. Uh, and then we realized he had, uh, he had made it look like the, the bars were bracketed down, but they were actually on a pivot. And he snuck out there quite a few times, apparently, until he overdosed. We never did get around to fixing it. And honestly, unless Chago was extremely thorough in fortifying, he might have missed it. Can I recall this window she's mentioning? I mean, obviously, I wouldn't know that it was yeah. broken, but... I mean, you recall, like, the south side of the building, seventh floor, having windows with bars on it. That's helpful. Do you happen to know whereabouts his room exits into the fortress? I mean, he's renovated that thing on the inside. I, don't, I wouldn't want to presume what's inside there. I nod. We appreciate the help. Yeah. Well, next time you'll owe me one. And then uh, she pulls her keys off a, a rack on the wall and uh, sits down on her hover bike, lighting it up. Just, uh, you know... If you get a shot at Chago, take him out. That guy's a piece of poodoo. And, uh, and she uh, pulls back, uh, driving towards the, uh, uh, the gate, which raises up for her, and she drives off. Hannah lets out like a sigh of relief, and you turn around, and you see she had like both hands on her blasters the whole time. She goes, well, that went better than expected. Come on now. We're nothing if not charming. Yeah, it wasn't you I was worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh... You're trying to to play in the tournament that Shago holds, right? 
Uh, he doesn't really hold tournaments as much as one one-time exhibitions. But yeah, I mean that'd be a great payday for us. If we could get you in, could uh, we trade in Lucius? Maybe taking a look at our ship. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you guys you guys are in with Stello. Stello could de- definitely get us uh, uh, pull some strings and get us uh, in there. That would be great. I mean, we we owe a few people a few things around town, and uh, honestly, uh, Chago pays pays his people pretty well. If uh, if Lucius can do half of what he did to that bike to the exhibitor, we'd uh, call that an even deal. And Shrokata goes. <laughs> uh, Hannah goes. Uh, he's got a point. It's your call, Lucius. And Lucius kind of looks, everyone's staring at him, and he's a little nervous about it. And his little, the little lid on the metal backpack he has, like, kind of, like, peeks open, uh, peeks up. And uh, his little pit droid, like, raises its head and looks over his shoulder and looks at him. And he goes, uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can see what I can do. I mean, I don't know what kind of ship you got, but um, I'm, I'm sure I can find something, you know, to the best of my ability. I mean, no promises without having seen any schematic. He'll do it. Hannah interrupts him. <laughs> you guys get a you guys get a, a a game at Chago's Fortress, and uh, Lucius will uh, will make you up something nice for your ship. I put out my hand. You got a deal. Uh, she clasps hands with you and and uh, and shakes. <laughs> we head back to Stella's palace to prepare. Yeah, uh, you guys um, uh, can talk to Stella. Uh, she can easily pull some strings. She says, you know. By tomorrow, she can have the Barn Swallow team uh, playing at Chago's nightly hotball games. Uh, she also uh, can get you guys anything you need uh, in the interim, uh, whatever supplies you might need for this job. Uh, is there anything in particular anyone uh, needs to get their hands on? Uh, you basically have access to almost anything at a 25% discount. I'm not one typically to wear armor or have weapons for the most part, but I know that back in the Clone Wars, sometimes the clones had um, like these little energy bucklers, and I ask if there's one around. Yeah, Stello can send you to a black market armorer she knows, uh, and uh, you can get an energy buckler. It fits like a uh, like a bracelet on your wrist, and when it's activated, it makes a little uh, small energy shield uh, covering your hand and forearm. Nice. Uh, so yeah, you can get that at 25% off. Cool. I had my eye on a blaster actuating module to up the damage of my light blaster. Um, so if there's one of those around, I will definitely snap it up. Yeah. Uh, she has a, a weaponsmith who lives uh, just on the edge of the, uh, the undercity who can get that for you. I go looking for a way to enhance the stealth capabilities of my armor. Oh, I got just the thing for you, darling. She, the same armor that has the energy buckler for Elkiri can get you uh, reflex shadow skin. Uh, takes up a hard point in your armor uh, for 25% off. I will purchase it, and I will tag along with everyone else where they go, picking up various odds and ends in each spot to get what I need for a superior hilt customization for my lightsaber. Okay. And Oko, anything for you? Negative. All right. So you all get uh, geared up over the next day. Uh, the evening comes around. Uh, the barn swallows find some people to uh, to fill out the other half of their roster uh, as Stello sends them to Chago's fortress. 
you guys are kind of like laying in wait in an alleyway. You see uh, them pull up in a taxi and get out armed to the teeth. And uh, they present their hollow invitation and they're invited in. And then you guys uh, kick on the, um, the airspeeder and zip around uh, to the south side of the building. Tan, I'm going to need you to roll a pilot planetary uh, to stealthily approach this building without drawing attention. Uh, it will be an average check, and I will flip a dark side point to uh, upgrade that with a challenge die. That's one success and one advantage. Uh, you zoom on up there speedily enough, parking the airspeeder right next to the uh, the bars of the window that was described to you. Uh, Jax, you reach over the airspeeder and grab onto the bars and you give them a pull and they don't budge. And then you twist them and they pivot on uh, almost like a curtain that you brush all the bars to the side. Uh, and um, you guys can enter the window that way. We climb in. I will set the airspeeder to um, park on a nearby rooftop. Sure. Yeah, you can do that easily enough. H- hidden by some air vents. Yeah, you can easily do that. There's plenty of like slum buildings around here you can go park at. Uh, and you guys climb in um, uh, to what may have once been a, uh, a bedroom, um, but now just seems like a storage closet. Um, and as you guys are all getting into uh, this kind of cramped space, uh, you hear a booming voice uh, from somewhere outside this room uh, shouting out, Welcome one and all to Chago's Fortress. I'm Guy Finnegan, your announcer for today. We all know the rules. Two teams, one ball, one rule. Don't kick the ball. Huts don't have feet. You can grab it. You can pass it. You can run it. Take it to the other team's zone to score. Acid traps, fire traps, and the electrified pit are in effect. The match lasts 15 minutes or first to 15 points. The weapons may be blunted and powered down, but that just means you have to earn your kills. And everyone's like, ah! Teams are allowed to call in alternates in the event of injury or death. Now get ready, get set, and let's play Hot ball! And was like, ah! And that's where we'll end our session. (laughs) (laughs) Organics are so reckless. (laughs) This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by the Walt Disney Company. Lucasfilm Limited, their subsidiaries or sister companies or any Star Wars license holder and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Go to the official Star Wars website www.starwars.com for more information. The Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Forced and Destiny role-playing games are trademarked properties of Fantasy Flight Games Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.fantasyflightgames.com slash en slash Star Wars RPG.